Psalm 137, let's begin reading at verse 1, and let's read the word of the Lord together, shall we? By the rivers of Babylon, there we sat down and wept when we remembered Zion. Upon the willows in the midst of it, we hung our harps, for there our captors demanded of us songs and our tormentors mirth, saying, sing us one of the songs of Zion. How can we sing the Lord's song in a foreign land? If I forget you, O Jerusalem, may my right hand forget her skill. May my tongue cling to the roof of my mouth. If I do not remember you, if I do not exalt Jerusalem above my chief joy. Now, Lord, we ask that you will open our hearts that we may hear and receive that which the Spirit of the Lord will say to us in the midst of the preaching today. O oh, Lord, let this be a day of encouragement, inspiration, and challenge. Above all, let it be a day of transformation. I lift up other life-giving churches to you today and I pray blessing upon them. I pray for our loved ones not yet walking in right relationship with you that you will draw them to a place of repentance. I pray, O oh Lord, particularly for sons and daughters who have wandered from the faith and I pray that you will arrest their hearts. Don't let one of them be lost, I ask. I pray these things in the only name that matters, that matchless name of Jesus. Amen. You may be seated. Sometimes life is hard. Is there anybody can testify to the truth of that statement? Sometimes the reason life is hard is because of things that are done to you over which you have no control. For some reason that's a mystery to you, you, you ran afoul of someone and before you knew it, you found yourself in the crosshairs. As a result of their actions, your life is hard. Sometimes the reason life is hard is because of some tragedy or some adversity of life. You know, you were going along just fine until something unexpected happened that knocked all the wind out of your sails. It wasn't your fault or maybe even not the fault of anyone else. It was just life. And now life is hard. Another reason life can be hard is because there is a spiritual enemy whose objective is to kill, steal, and destroy. And the moment you decided to live for Jesus and follow him as a true disciple, you became a prime target for Satan's arrows. And when he shoots them your way, he can wound, tear, and create terrible pain and cause life to be hard. One of the worst ways life is hard is when you bring it on yourself as the consequence of your own behavior. Most people don't like to think about this one very much, but, but it's all too common a reason for life being hard. 
my observation is that we live in a time in which it seems that no one wants to take personal responsibility for his or her own actions. When something goes wrong, when life gets messed up, when pain is inflicted, it's always the fault of someone else. They become awfully good at assigning blame as long as it's away from themselves. And if they're caught doing wrong, oh, they may be remorseful and sometimes even repentant, but too often the only thing they're really sorry about isn't the behavior, but that they got caught doing it. The truth is you have a choice about what you're going to do. But once you make a choice, you don't have a choice about the consequences of that choice. Once you start down a particular path, as long as you go that path, the destination is determined as long as you continue on that path. That's why the wisdom writer says in Proverbs 13, 15, the way of the transgressors is hard. That's what it means in Galatians 6 and 7. Do not be deceived. God is not mocked. For whatever a man sows, this he will also reap. This was the plight of the people of God that is written about in the psalm that forms the text for the message today. If ever there was a song written in the minor key, Psalm 137 from the ancient hymn book is one. In my opinion, it's one of the saddest songs in the Bible. The writer of this ancient psalm is among a group of captives, part of a band of POWs who have been taken by the Babylonians into a foreign land. As the song opens, the writer is recounting the bitter humiliation and the stinging sarcasm he and his companions had to endure at the hands of their conquerors. With tears blurring his vision and a catch in his throat, he begins to remember the helpless, hopeless feelings of despair and the bitter humiliation suffered at the hands of his captors. He calls to mind a particular occasion when a representative of Babylon marched them along the bank of the river and poked some cynical fun at them by the rivers of Babylon. There we sat down and wept when we remembered Zion. Upon the willows in the midst of it we hung our harps, for there our captors demanded of us songs and our tormentors mirth, saying, sing us one of the songs of Zion. Hmm. The rivers of Babylon were mighty currents indeed. On the east was the Tigris, a river first mentioned in connection with the Garden of Eden. Upon that river's bank was built Nineveh, the capital of Assyria. Then there was the Euphrates, another river connected with the garden. This great river flowed through the center of Babylon. Past and future conquerors of Israel all held the rivers of Babylon in the heyday of their power. The vast kingdoms of Persia, Babylon, Greece, and Rome became world empires in the prophetic sense of the Bible only when they held the Euphrates River. And now here were these exiles. They had been marched northward and eastward mile after endless weary mile. 
The last scene etched in their minds had been the smoke rising from the ruins of their beloved city and especially of their most cherished possession, the temple. Now they had arrived in the land between the rivers, by the rivers of Babylon. There they sat and wept. Their heads are hanging low. Their shoulders are slumped. Tears are streaming down their cheeks. These Jewish captives sat silent and gritted their teeth, helpless before their oppressors. Life was hard, and the pain was exacerbated by the knowledge that their captivity was the result of their own foolish choices. Following the death of King Solomon, the United Kingdom of the Jewish nation had split into the ten northern tribes known as Israel and the two southern tribes known as Judah. Every one of the 19 kings of Israel led her away from God. They were all wicked. And even though Judah experienced times of revival, the fact is that only eight of her 20 kings were righteous men. And in spite of repeated warnings, the people of God were determined to follow their own path. The result was that first Israel fell to the Assyrians, and then later Judah was captured by the Babylonians. Israel found herself in captivity by the waters of Babylon because she had stubbornly refused to follow God. The nation turned a deaf ear to the thundering voice of the prophets calling upon them to repent, turn away from idols, turn back to God, but they would not. The Israelites did the same thing many people do every Sunday, even in this church. The word of the Lord goes out, and God speaks about dealing with the issues in your life. But you say the same thing Israel said, not today. Not today. Please listen to your pastor today. Make no mistake, there is coming a time. It may not happen today, it may not happen tomorrow, it may not happen in the immediate future, but there will be a point of reckoning. There will come a time when you will discover the way of the transgressors is hard. There will come a time when you will reap what you sow. In fact, the law of sowing and reaping says that you will always reap more than you sow. That's why the prophet said in Hosea 8, 7, they sow the wind and they reap the whirlwind. Israel found herself by the waters of Babylon because of her transgressions. But understand this, her, her dilemma wasn't just for punishment. It wasn't just retribution. It wasn't God's wrath. Oh, no. That time spent by the waters of Babylon was God's discipline. It was part of God's mercy and grace because even in the midst of captivity, God wasn't finished with Israel. See, they might be in Babylon, but they were still the people of God. They might be in bondage, but they weren't slaves. They were still his children. 
They might be discouraged and distressed, but they were still his chosen ones. Even though life was hard as a result of their own disobedience, God hadn't forgotten them. Had they gotten justice, they would have been completely wiped out. Because justice means you get what you deserve. But Israel wasn't getting justice by the waters of Babylon. Israel was getting mercy. Mercy means you don't get what you deserve. And Israel was getting grace, which takes it a little further and means not only do you not get what you deserve, but you get the goodness that you don't deserve. Even in Babylon, Israel was getting mercy they didn't get what they deserved. Israel was getting grace. They were getting to know a dimension of God they had never before understood. They were learning something about his heart of compassion. They were learning something about his great love for them. They were learning something about the depth of his loving kindness toward them that they would never have known outside the land of captivity. They were getting to know that God was gracious in preserving them. Even though he allowed them to endure hardship, God was still going to keep for himself a people of his own possession. Babylon was God's discipline. It was God using whatever it took to get Israel back into a right relationship with him so that his blessings could once more be showered upon her. God was saying, I know you're in Babylon now. I know life is hard. I know I've had to discipline you because of your disobedience. But if you'll learn the lesson, this captivity is only going to be temporary. Life is not always going to be hard. The same God that allowed you to go in is the same God that's going to bring you out. Hallelujah. Regardless of what happened that caused life to be hard... Most people can identify with the lament of the psalmist in verse 4 when he sings, How can we sing the Lord's song in a foreign land? You know, when life is hard, singing is one of the last things you want to do. Come on, somebody. When life is hard, worship is the furthest thing from your mind. How can you worship when life is hard? How can you worship in the time of grief? How can you worship in the time of despair? How can you worship in the time of weakness? How can you worship in the time of loneliness? How can you worship in the time of broken dreams? How can you worship when your spirit's crushed? How can you worship in the time of fear? How can you sing the Lord's song in a foreign land? As I reflected on that verse, I was suddenly struck by the realization that the foreign land is precisely when you're supposed to sing the Lord's song. Let me just throw this nugget at you, okay? Somebody will catch this. When life is hard is the ideal time for worship. Don't, don't you understand, child of God, that regardless of how you got in the position you're in right now where life is hard, 
the proper response is worship. Even if everything's going your way, even if there are blue skies and fair winds, even if you're in the place of plenty and the land of blessing, I want to tell you, anything this side of eternity is still a foreign land. Because this is not your final resting place. This is not your ultimate destination. You're still a pilgrim. You're still a stranger. You're still seeking a city whose builder and maker is God. But the Lord's song is a song of victory. The Lord's song is a song of triumph. The Lord's song is a song of confidence in the one who has called you unto himself. The Lord's song is a song of witness and a song of testimony that will turn the hearts of even the heathen to the worship of Almighty God. See, the Lord's song is a song that says, I haven't arrived yet, but I'm on my way to Canaan's land. The Lord's song is a song that says, I haven't yet obtained the promise, but I'm still marching to Zion. And the reason you can sing and worship, even when life is hard, is very simple. You don't sing because of the troubles and the trials and the difficulties you have right now. Uh Uh-uh. You're not singing because of where you are. You sing because of where you're going. I need to say that again. You don't sing because of where you are. You sing because of where you're going. That's why when Paul is coming to the end of his life in a Roman prison, instead of lamenting his fate and crying about his negative circumstances, he writes in Philippians 4, 4, rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice. That's why he could write in 1 Thessalonians 5 and 18, in everything give thanks, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. See, right now, life may be hard. Right now, you may even be in a place of discipline. Maybe you made some wrong choices and you're reaping the consequences of those decisions. Even there, you can sing the song of the Lord when you remember that according to Hebrews 12 and 6, the Lord only disciplines those he loves. If you're being disciplined by the Lord, it's because he loves you. Because he loves you, then you can know that the place of discipline isn't the end. It's a means of bringing you into conformity with his will and his way. You're on your way to being conformed to his image and likeness. You're on your way to bearing the peaceful fruit of righteousness that he talks about in Hebrews 12 and 11. Even in the midst of discipline, you can sing the Lord's song, not because of where you are, but because of where you're going. Maybe life is hard because you're experiencing a trial. I want to tell you, even in the place of trial, you can worship. You can sing the Lord's song. You can worship because James 1, verses 2 through 4 says, To consider it all joy, my brethren, when you encounter various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces endurance, and let endurance have its perfect result, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. Now, you may not be real happy about the trials. 
trials are difficult. But the end result of enduring the trial is that you're going to be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. So the proper response in the midst of the trial is to worship, sing the Lord's song. Not because you like the trial, but because of what God's going to do with you. Because of what you're going to look like when you come to the end of the trial. Because even if you go through the fire, you're not going to be destroyed, but instead you're going to come forth as pure gold. That's what God is doing in the midst of your trial. Ah! Maybe your life is hard because you're in the land of affliction. I want to tell you, even in affliction, you can worship. You can sing the Lord's song because of the promise of 2 Corinthians 4, verses 16 through 18. Therefore, we do not lose heart. But though our outer man is decaying, yet our inner man is being renewed day by day. Watch this. For momentary light affliction is producing for us an eternal weight of glory far beyond all comparison. While we look not at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen. For the things which are seen are temporal, but the things which are not seen are eternal. Oh, oh I know how it is. I know how it is. When you get in the midst of affliction, it's like nobody's ever had it as bad as you've got it right now. Come on. Nobody ever had a problem quite like the problem you've got right now. You get in the midst of affliction, and the first thing you want to do is get on the phone and call your best friend and whine about how hard life is right now. Then you want to call the church, you want to call the pastor, you want to call the elders, you want to have them put it on the prayer line, and, and, and you want to plaster it all over social media, hoping to get some likes and some consoling comments that will commiserate with you, with you and tell you just how bad you've got it, and poor little you. You, you want to throw a pity party. Go ahead and throw your pity party, but nobody wants to come to your pity party. You've forgotten what the life says, what the Bible says about life being hard. The Bible calls it, as hard as it is, as bad as your affliction is, the Bible calls it momentary light affliction. As bad as it is, it's temporary. And compared with what's eternal, it's light affliction. In the midst of that, the outer man is decaying. Oh, but the inner man. I, I, I wish, I wish, I've not figured out how to do this yet, but, but I wish we could set up an x-ray or an MRI that would let you see my inner man. See, see all you can see is the outside. All you can see is a 170-pound aging weakling. But I want to tell you, on the inside, I'm young and vigorous. I have bulging biceps. I'm benching 350 pounds. I'm just telling you, I'm running five miles, and I'm not even getting winded on the inside. Yes, sir. I'm a powerful specimen on the inside because I've said, okay, Lord, I don't like the affliction. I don't like it when life is hard, but even in the midst of the affliction, I'm going to worship. I'm going to sing the Lord's song because I've discovered that momentary light affliction is producing an eternal weight of glory far beyond all comprehension. Of course you don't like the affliction. You wouldn't wish it on anybody else. 
But as difficult as this is, I'm telling you, it's nothing compared with the glory that awaits you. You don't worship. You don't sing the Lord's song because of where you are in the midst of the affliction. You worship. You sing the Lord's song because of where you're going. Oh, you listen to me today. I'm not preaching this as some kind of an intellectual exercise. I'm not preaching something I read out of a textbook. I'm preaching this today out of experience. I know what it's like for life to be hard. I know what it's like to be in the long, dark night of the soul and wondering if you're ever going to get out. I know what it's like to have people turn against you. I know what it's like to experience the pain of a death of a child. I know what it's like to pray long and hard for a loved one to be healed on this earth, only to then stand at their graveside and weep. I know about those things, but I also understand what it's like to make a conscious decision in the midst of that kind of affliction that says, I do not like where I am right now. I do not like what I'm going through right now. But God is still God, and he's still my heavenly father, and I'm still his child. And just because there's, tr just because there's trouble and trial doesn't change that dynamic. Just because life is hard doesn't change the truth that I am his and he is mine. It doesn't change the fact that I'm not going to be here forever. So I'm not going to get stuck here. I refuse to get stuck in my grief. I refuse to get stuck in depression. I refuse to get stuck in anxiety. I'm going to lift up my, song, my voice in song and in worship. I'm going somewhere else because God has a light at the end of the valley. God has a better day. God has a better plan. God has a brighter path. God has a different dimension. God has a new situation and a new season for my life, and I'm walking into it. So while I'm here in the midst of the stuff, I'm just going to sing. I'm just going to worship, not because of where I am, but because of where I'm going. I'm going to go ahead and worship like I already got there. <laughs> Life may be hard. You may be in the foreign land of desperation. If so, why don't you sing Psalm 40, verses 1, 2, and 3. I waited patiently for the Lord, and he inclined his ear and heard my cry. He brought me up out of the pit of destruction, out of the miry clay, and he set my feet upon a rock, making my footsteps firm, and he put a new song in my mouth, a song of praise to our God. Many will see and fear and will trust in the Lord. Life may be hard. You may be in the foreign land of fear. Well, I want to tell you, that's the time to sing Psalm 91, verses 1 through 13. He who dwells in the shelter of the Most High will abide in the shadow of the Almighty. 
I will say to the Lord, my refuge and my fortress, my God in whom I trust, for it is he who delivers you from the snare of the trapper and from the deadly pestilence. He will cover you with his pinions and under his wings you may seek refuge. His faithfulness is a shield and bulwark. You will not be afraid of the terror by night or of the arrow that flies by day, of the pestilence that stalks in darkness or the destruction that lays waste at noon. A thousand may fall at your side and 10,000 at your right hand, but it shall not approach you. You will only look on with your eyes and see the recompense of the wicked, for you have made the Lord my refuge, even the most high, your dwelling place. No evil will befall you, nor will any plague come near your tent, for he will give his angels charge concerning you to guard you in all your ways. They will bear you up in their hands that you do not strike your foot against a stone. You will tread upon the lion and the cobra, the young lion and the serpent. You will trample down. I'm telling you, you don't worship. You don't sing the Lord's song because of where you are when life is hard, because of fear and stress and anxiety. But you sing because of where you're going. You're going to a place of security. You're going to a place of strength where the Lord is your refuge and your fortress. Life may be hard because you're in a land of captivity. You're bound by all that is painful, bound by all that is, that is hopeless. I, you know, I, I deal with people all the time who find themselves bound by pain. They're struggling. They don't know how to get out of it. And, and I know, I know this can sound as if I'm discounting your pain. Please, please understand that I'm not. I'm trying to help you get out of it. I'm trying to help you understand that the pain you're in right now is not the end. This isn't the final destination. There's something beyond the pain. I'm trying to help you see from the word of the Lord that there's a better way. I'm trying to help you see that even when life is hard because of the pain you're experiencing in this foreign land where you're hurting and desperate and don't know where to turn, even in that kind of place you can worship even there you can sing the Lord's song you don't worship you don't sing because of where you are but you worship and sing because of where you're going see I want to tell you it's your worship it's the song of the Lord that will get you out of where you are and get you where you're going if you're bound let me show you what will happen when you worship and sing the Lord's song in the midst of your time of captivity. You might want to write this down and look at it later. Listen to Psalm 126. When the Lord brought back the captive ones of Zion, we were like those who dream. <laughs> If you've ever been in a place where you were hurting and struggling, and then you came out of it, anybody ever had that happen where you, you know, it doesn't even seem real for a while. Is that right? Yeah. It's like one morning you got up and life was hard and the pain was debilitating. You went to bed that night, it hadn't gotten any better. But when you woke up the next morning, it was like somebody flipped a switch. Okay. And you couldn't believe it. It, it, was like, it was like a dream. Think about it. You were sitting by the rivers of Babylon and weeping. But that isn't the end of the story. 
He says, when the Lord brought back the captive ones from Zion, we were like those who dream. He says, then our mouth was filled with laughter. See, see, you were by the rivers of Babylon weeping, and you thought you'd never laugh again. You'd hung your harp on the willow tree, too discouraged, too broken to sing. But then you remembered the Lord. You remembered his faithfulness. You remembered his goodness. You remembered his mercy and his love and his grace. You remembered that he had never failed you. You remembered Psalm 30, verse 5. His anger is but for a moment. His favor is for a lifetime. Weeping may last for the night, but a shout of joy comes in the morning. You remembered Psalm 34 and 18. The Lord is near to the brokenhearted and saves those who are crushed in spirit. And when you remembered the Lord, you decided just to open your mouth one more time and start singing. You decided to go ahead and worship because of his promise of where you're going. See, it's a choice. It's a decision. It isn't because you felt like it. You just made up your mind to do it. When you did, you discovered the truth of Psalm 126. When the Lord brought back the captive ones from Zion, we were like those who dream. Then our mouth was filled with laughter and our tongue with joyful shouting. Then they said among the nations, the Lord has done great things for them. And then you could respond, yes, the Lord has done great things for us. We are glad. Before you were sitting by the waters of Babylon. You were crying about how hard it is. Oh, but when the Lord brought you out of captivity in response to your worship, you were like those in a dream. Your mouth was filled with laughter, your tongue with joyful shouting. You were dancing in the street. Why? Because the Lord has done great things for you. That psalm goes on and says, Restore our captivity, O Lord, as streams in the south. See, we know what it's like to sit by the rivers of Babylon and weep in the midst of captivity, O Lord. But bring us to another stream. Bring us to the streams in the south. Remove our captivity, O Lord. Then he goes on and says, those who sow in tears shall reap with joyful shouting. He who goes to and fro weeping, carrying his bag of seed, shall indeed come again with a shout of joy, bringing his sheaves with him. I want you to know that when the Lord brings you out of that place of bondage, it isn't just going to be you that comes out, but you're going to be able to grab some folk around you and say, come and go with me. Come and go with me. We're going back to the Father's house. Come and go with me. We're going to the land of blessing. I want to know if there's anybody listening to this message today who can say, Pastor, I understand what you're talking about when you talk about life being hard. Anybody know about life being hard? Yeah. Maybe you feel like those captives in Israel. Maybe you've hung your harp on the willow and you've lost your song. I have a word for you from the Lord. It's a word for somebody that feels like your joy is gone. It's a word for somebody that feels like you're in the midst of bondage and don't know how to get out of it. Here's what the Lord would say to you. It's time to pull your harp off the limbs of the willow tree. Tune the strings. Lift your voice. Begin to once again sing the Lord's song in a foreign land. You can't help what anybody else does. You can't help, what they, you can't help how they act. You can only be responsible for yourself. And you make, you, you make a decision of what you're going to do. Am I going to... Uh, this is growing. I'm trying to shut it down. My time is up. I'm, I'm, but you, you know, I refuse to let anybody de- decide how I'm going to feel. 
I refuse to let anybody else determine how I'm going to, how I'm going to feel. You, I, I don't, I'm not going to give you that kind of power over me. No. Just me and Jesus are going to decide how I feel. So I'm going to sing, not because of where I am, but because of where I'm going. If you find yourself in captivity, get your heart harp down and start singing. I know you don't want to sing. I know you don't want to worship. But the Lord says, pick up your harp, tune the strings, lift up your voice, and worship. Sing the Lord's song. As you sing, as you worship, you will see the Lord turn back your captivity. He will fill your mouth with laughter and your tongue with joyful shouting. He will once more cause streams to flow in your desert places. I've come to the end of this message, and I've come with an anointing from the Holy One to release joy into your life. If you felt like you're in a foreign land and your song is gone and your joy is missing, I want you to stand. And I want you to open your mouth and I want you to sing. What key are you in, Pastor Lear? How many? E flat. E flat? That's not going to work. We're going to need to go to, uh, uh, let me think. Where do we need to go? Let's go to, uh, let's go to G. I don't want to push myself. I want you to sing, through it all. Come on. Through it all, I've learned to trust in Jesus. I've learned to trust in God. Through it all, through it all, I've learned to depend upon His Word. Come on, sing it again. Like you believe it, through it all. I'm, I may be there right now, but I'm going somewhere. Through it all, I've learned to trust in Jesus. I've learned to trust in God. Through it all, through it all, I've learned to depend upon His Word. You might even get to the place where you can sing. I thank God for the mountains. And I thank Him for the valleys. I thank Him for the storms He's brought me through. For if I never had a problem, I wouldn't know that He could solve it. I'd never know what faith in God could do. Come on, everybody stand and sing with me. Through it all, through it all, I've learned to trust in Jesus. I've learned to trust in God. Through it all, yes, through it all, I've learned to depend upon His Word. Not, not, this isn't for everybody, but it'll be for somebody who's ready to grab it right now when I say this. I don't know who you will be. doesn't matter to me. You may not even be in this house. You may be somebody watching online, but th- this is for somebody. I will tell you by the word of the Lord right now, in the name of Jesus, I release the joy of the Lord into your heart. I release the joy of the Lord 
I release. I, I, I break the yoke of bondage. I break the burden off of you. The heavy load, the heavy weight, the dark cloud. Right now, I'm just poking holes in that dark cloud, and the light of the glory of the Lord is starting to shine down on you in the name of Jesus. <laughs> Joy to your life. Oh, thank you, Jesus. Joy to you. Joy that the world cannot give to you and the world cannot take away from you. For it is the joy of the Lord that is your strength right now. Thank you. Come on, just put your hands up and thank the Lord together with me, would you? Just thank the Lord for his joy, the release of his joy in this house. I will praise the Lord. I will praise the Lord. No matter what tomorrow brings or what it has in store, I know I will praise the Lord. Make up your mind. I will praise the Lord. I will praise the Lord. No matter what tomorrow brings or what it has in store, I know I will praise.